exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowlers Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and bowling writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. Well, Phantom fans, we're continuing to pay tribute to former bowling stars because we have promised to never forget the stars of the past. And to help us, again, with this regular type of program, we here at Phantom Radio want to continue this tribute. And this week, with us again, is PBA and USBC Hall of Famer, and also voted in the top 50 of the all-time PBA greats. With us again, and he's also a former Team USA member. And I can go on and on, but we want to get on with this show because there's a whole lot of information that you need to know about. Here's our buddy, everybody's favorite, Barry Asher. Hello, Barry, and welcome back to the show. Good morning, Phantom. It's great to be back and talk about the greatness of Don Johnson. Well, you know, nobody knew him better than you, and everybody loves you. Uh, you always have positive things about everybody. I want to continue the show, and, you know, I was listening to it. It got chills in my arm. I still got chills in my arm, but we left off. Uh, we were talking about Mary Ann Johnson, uh, Don's wife, and, and I brought that up, but I asked you if, if she bothered you while you were bowling because – I remember being in the crowd, and she was rooting for him so hard all the time. It was a constant chatter. Come on, Coco. Come on, Coco. And that bothered some of the bowlers. But <laughs> what it boiled down to was she loved her husband, and she rooted for him. And, you know, if you got rabbit ears, uh, anything's going to bother you. So hey, do you have anything else to say about Mary Ann? Oh, sure. I think it was the voice that was, come on, Coco. <laughs> But anyway, Mary Ann, when she was watching Coco, she was a drama queen. I mean, really. And, and fortunately, I don't know why we liked each other. We were friends. We, we went to Acapulco after we were in Mexico together, the three of us. Maybe I don't, I don't even know if Jimmy was born then. It was about 73. And Jimmy and I, Coco and Jimmy Godman and I, we ended up in Mexico with Bobby Cooper's sponsor. Or something. I, I don't think we all, any of us got paid. But the one thing I remember, the tournament, 
and uh, I don't remember 71 because it really wasn't it wasn't close. Don Bull 270, the final game against me. 73. It, it was it was an omen because the night before, Pete Lemongello, Mike's brother, said, "If you win the first game, you're going to win the tournament." And I won the first game. Don gets up in the first frame and he leaves he leaves a solid eight that he almost moved into the seven pin spot. And I looked to the left and he had all those people there at Showboat and I could see Pete and we just kind of nodded at each other. And it turned out that Don had left another solid eight in the game. If if people want to go back and watch a game that's better than the 299 by a lot, that's the game that he shot 228. But I remember during the show, Marianne was sitting there and she's watching the show. And she's sitting with that golf pro that used to, was Harry Golden's buddy, who's his buddy, uh, I don't know what his name was, Besanick or somebody. Anyway, so Marianne's watching the show and da 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 da, and Coco's bowling, and you know, okay, she's rooting for Coco, right? Well, the cam- you can see her in the background, and she's rooting, you know, she's rooting. And all of a sudden, the camera switches to Mary Ann, and, and I thought she, she had pulled rosary beads out of her purse, <laughs> and she's grabbing these rosar- these beads or whatever she's got, and she's praying, and she's st- and I'm going, this is, this is too much. It was, <laughs> I thought, I, in fact, I said, hey, you know, you did a pretty, pretty good job on TV there with the, uh, with, with the praying when the camera hits you. And we laughed about it because uh, we were always good friends, that, which, is, which is good. I mean, for whatever reason, I was single and whatever, and they knew I, 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 wasn't, I, I wasn't a great party animal. I wasn't a big drinker. So all the wives, we'd play pan together because I didn't want to play for as much money as they were playing for. So Joe Dignam and I, we'd play with Alice Buckley and Joyce Lemongello and whoever, uh, the, other, the other wives. But yeah. if, they, if, if they wanted to go out, the, to dinner and hang out and get away from their kids, they they drop them in my lap because they <laughs> they knew they were safe. They knew they you know don't <clears throat> don't bring them in clean clothes because we are going to end up at Baskin Robbins having ice cream and kids are messy. I, I I built that trust with the wives, so I guess maybe that was something that uh, that Marianne and I you know I I don't know what what the term would be agreed on that you know that hey I'm a, I'm okay guy. <laughs> well, but, those were definitely fun times, and it was a. A lot of family-oriented camaraderie involved in the tour, especially back in the 70s. But on last week's show, I mentioned if anybody had any questions, we got Barry on again this week. And I did get a few emails, and the best one I got, we're going to use. And you don't know about this because we haven't talked, but a gentleman said, or I'm not sure if it's a gentleman, but it says, we got a question here from a man, I think, named Desi. Munoz. He's from El Paso, and he says, Mr. Asher, I love these shows. Please tell me what the number one thing creates a superstar. I've known and been bowling for years, and many, many people, guys and gals, look the same or similar. But some are great bowlers, and some are just average. What would you say makes a difference between an average bowler and a great bowler. Thank you. Well, I, oh, that's a hell of a question. It is. Uh, to me, to me, it's um, determination. You can see it. You can, you can see it on Don's face. You can see it on Johnny's face. You can see, I mean, you know, the greats of the greats, Dave Davis, Stefanich, you can see it. You just, it's just, it's something that it's hard to put into words. You see it in, you saw it in, 
tennis, McEnroe, Borg, uh, Jimmy Connors. You see it. You saw it in baseball. Reggie Jackson. I'm not a big fan, but you know, hey, superstar. You know, Junior. I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of Barry Bonds. Roger Clemens on the mound. It's just, it's something. I, I don't know where it comes from, but it's the determination that they have, or that any of us had to succeed. Maybe nobody had it more than Don. But at some, I, you know, and I go back to, to to this that at some point maybe somebody said something that put this determination in there. Maybe you went out like Don went out on tour and didn't do any good, or myself, or whoever else it was. So many guys, Earl, Earl, there you go. He yeah. went out on the tour in uh, whatever. He probably only bowled three or four tournaments and. Okay, he wasn't very good. He didn't cash or or Hardwick, Earl and Hardwick. There's your two great examples. <laughs> Billy went up, Billy went over thirteen, and then Bowler of the Year. Yeah. So th- I think it's uh, and Billy was determined that you know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna win. I remember when I in 1965 I made a finals in '64, and then I went on the tour in the summer. It was the end of '64. My first check, my first finals. Was and and I was zero for I think I was one for ten, I cashed once out of ten and I I was pretty bad. That's okay, and uh, you know wasn't okay then. But you know somebody said, well you know you you know you're going to school, you better study hard because you know you're not going to make it in you know it doesn't look like you're not going to make it as a pro bowler. And I was like, yes I am. I'm going to show everybody in Southern California that I'm going to be the best bowler in the history of Southern California. And and that was it. And, you know, fortunately, the way it turned out, the records say I am. But, you know, I could argue Baker, Glenn, uh, Ron yeah. Winger, Larry Gray. Larry Gray's got the best record in Southern California, yeah. uh, locally, by far. Well, so, you know, as I mentioned, we, we hadn't discussed this at all. And, uh, you know, you nailed it 100%, in my opinion, because like this gentleman or woman, Desi, whoever it was that asked the question, uh, yes, he's right. Lots, thousands of people look very similar when they bowl. There's only so many styles there are out there, but the number one thing that separates, in my opinion, the superstars from the average bowler is the mental part of the game. Now, you you call it whatever you want to call it, concentration, uh, uh determination, desire, all those mental things all add up uh, to be make you a superstar. Everybody's got the potential, but only a small percentage uh, follow through with all that. But thanks, Desi, for the question. And uh, Barry's right on. The mental part of the game uh, is the most important. All right, Bards. Well, you know, we, we could talk for hours and hours. Uh, I'm sure you got some information you want to pass on. It may be a story or two, but you got the floor. Take it away. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that we touched on 1971 and 72. Don won nine times. Yep. And you know, he won Vegas. He won the World Open. He won it back to back. 71, 72. He won the U.S. Open. 73 started out, and it looked like you know. And they say in the in the top 50 book that you know after 72 the magic came to an end well i i guess i don't know maybe maybe it did but in 73 that was don's last year in the top 10 winnings at top 10 money earners but every year 
after that through 1970, 71. But to show you, Three, he won in he won twice in '73. He was sixth on the money list, and he won Houston in the summer, and he won Bay City, which was uh, yeah, that was the end towards the end of the summer. But but people don't you've got to you've got to look beyond the wins. And in you know '70 70, '73, he led two out of the first three tournaments. He led Vegas, and he led he led San Jose. Comes right out of the gate, leads the tournament. Allie Clark wins the tournament. Two weeks later, Vegas, he leads the tournament. I come out of, you know, I, I end up winning the tournament. And the next week, they turned into a just a gutter shot. And uh, Jay Robinson, I think, won the tournament in Denver. But I always, you know, I thought it wasn't because I thought I was really good. It was because I thought that I've got that playing outside the way I bowl, it just didn't suit my eye. It didn't suit my game. So I just kind of refused to move to, to play out. And I ended up sixth. Don made the show again. That year, 70, 73, after, you know, they in the book it says the magic was gone. Well, yeah, it was the magic of winning, but it wasn't certainly the magic of Don Johnson. Because you, you can go back go back before that in 70, in 72 when he won. Uh, we won, what, six times in 71, and he won three times. So in 24 months, he won nine times. But in 72... He was third in Vegas, and he had seconds in Fresno, Tucson, and Bay City that year, and a fifth in Grand Rapids. So the magic wasn't gone. I mean, just somebody, me, Allie, Johnny, Dave, whoever it was, in 72 in Grand Rapids. Don, Don was fifth. Who won the tournament? Dick Batista. How do you know? So. <laughs> You know, you, you look at, I, I tend to go by, you know, uh, the the big term in sports is the goat, and I just don't believe in goats. I just never have, and I don't think I ever will, because from from Don Carter to Dick Weber to the the, the guys that bridge the gap from uh, between Dick Weber and Earl, and at the top of my list is Don Johnson. 26 times he won. Second on that list would be Dave Davis, and, and you know the righty-lefty controversy. That's that's for you and another show, and maybe Sam to do. Is is you guys do? Have you ever done a show on lane maintenance? Do one. Yeah, but you know you can only touch on so much. I did a whole series yeah. with that Jeff Riggles. I did a, a ten shows about it to oh, kind of wow. okay. fill him in on stuff. But yeah. It, it's different, and another reason why somebody, uh, some guys uh, only show up for a while, a couple of years. There's so yeah. many changes in this game with balls and lane surfaces and oil patterns. Yeah. It's hard okay. to maintain uh, okay. something well, longer than go, 10 years. Let, let's go, okay, let, let's go back in uh, PBA, in, in the history of the sport, and we know, everybody that bowls knows, that Allie Clark's 886 was a protected score. Uh, Allie Brandt, yeah. Allie, Allie Brandt. Allie Brandt's 886 in 1939 was a pro protected. Yeah. Yep. Ray Orf bowled 890 in an adult junior league on a Saturday morning in the house that he was a manager of. And look, the lanes didn't pass. Glenn Allison bowls 900. The lanes don't pass. He shot 578 the block before. Now, you know, guys, there's been 30-something 900s. But I want to go to the PBA. 
and, prote- and the protection of, uh, of, a, of a record, which at, you know, stood for a long time, was Dick's 20, Dick Weber won 20, however, 27 times. Okay. Well, anyway, in 1976, no, he probably won more than that. Don, Don had, no, no, Don had 20, I think he had 21 wins and Dick had 22. Don makes the show in Milwaukee. So, I mean, at that time, as great as Don was, his dream was, he says, you know, if I win tomorrow, I tie Dick Weber for the most wins on tour. And I walked into the bowling center in the show in, in Milwaukee, I believe it was. And Don, like, pulls me aside, and he's, like, almost in tears. I go, what's that, man? He says, what's going on? He goes, you know, you know that if, I, if, I'd won, if I'd won today, if I win today, I, I would have tied Dick Weber. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm here. I don't, you know, whatever. I've seen <laughs> he goes, well, he said, when I came in the bowling center this morning, Dick Weber got four more wins. He's got 26 wins now. Oh. I go, where'd that happen? He goes, they they uh, officially declared the four All-Stars that Dick won as PBA titles now. And he was just disheartened and probably bowled 180 on the show. Wow. So so that that's how that, that's how records are protected. And like majors, you know, uh, Belmo's phenomenal. He's he's got more more majors than anybody they'll ever have probably unless maybe Simo does it. But Don Carter's five worlds are majors. The only guys we get to agree on that are Pete Weber, Jeff Richels, myself, and a few other people probably if we ask them, Larry Lichstein. Don Johnson was he, – he, he bridged the gap of greatness between Dick Weber and Earl Anthony in my eyes. Wow, that's a good point. You know, I've never even heard that uh, before. But, you know, you're really right. And – you can remember back in the day, there were some guys that dominated with rubber balls, some guys dominated yeah. with plastic, and then with all the changes, urethane, resin, then reactive resin. Man, I'll tell you what, it's it's been a long history of the PBA, and there's been a lot of great bowlers in, in every aspect in every decade. But uh, how how about, you got anything funny that you want to tell about Don? Uh like I always say, people love them stories. I don't know. Don was a pan player. Like I said, I hung around with the the girls, Joe and I, Dignam, and we played pan. They were they were, you know, they were playing for more money. But Don, I I don't know. I'm I. It's like I don't really have a uh, I don't have a great memory for for funny things. I think maybe I touched on New Orleans when Don and Jimmy came into the. The lanes while I was bowling the fifth or sixth game is to come out in the bar. Let's have a let's have a party because we're going to finish one, two, three. Or <laughs> after that, after that, after the turn was over, we went down on Bourbon Street. And I, I mean, people don't realize I, I had a crazy side too, and I just I like jumped on the stage with some go-go dancer, and Don <laughs> came up on the stage and like ripped me off because and the lady there. She goes, I'm, you know what? If you don't get off the stage, you're going to go to jail. And I'm like, probably, uh, I'm in the jar because I know I'm going home in the morning. And I didn't tell anybody that I had a draft notice. And Johnny was already gone. He was already in the army by a, a week or so, two before I was. So Don pulling me off the stage in New Orleans was was really pretty funny. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, 
that that part was was good. And <laughs> in in, Mex, in Mexico, they you know Don and I took a stand. They wanted to uh, I don't know if it's funny or not. I looked down on lane one or two, and all of a sudden I saw Don's ball because he had that caramel ball, and Jimmy and I had black bowling balls, and we're bowling in Mexico and Guadalajara. And all of a sudden I see Don's ball jump into the on the left side of the lane out of the corner of my eye. He plucks the seven pin off. Well, they didn't do some of the lanes and the Mexican people that ran it. They wanted to throw all the scores out. <laughs> and, you know, because the lanes weren't done and Don, I was, well, no, we can't, if we can't do that, you know, we, we bowled on what we bowled on and we did good. And some Mexican guys did pretty good. So now we, we got to make that stand. But Don was just, he, he was, he was our leader. Like he was the leader of the pack. He was a few years older than Jimmy and I and McGrath and Johnny. And, but he just uh, was. He was. He was just one. He was one of us. But funny, I I don't know. Funny was yeah. You know what was really funny about Don? How he set up to a golf ball. <laughs> Go ahead, tell that one. <laughs> you ever see? Do you ever see Coco? I never did a, see him play golf. No. Okay. All right. So you know he was a ninety shooter, or whatever. So Don get he gets to play in the pro am. Maybe at Firestone. I mean, my God, he was living in Akron. And I don't get moved to Vegas yet. Well, you know how a guy lines up to, uh, you know, hit his golf shot. He's pretty square to the target and whatever. Yeah. Don, Don's basically his right foot was almost behind the golf ball. And if he was, he was face, he was facing, oh, at night at anywhere from 90 to 120 degrees to the left. So he was aiming right through the crowd. I mean, if, he'd hit, if, he'd hit, if he'd hit it straight, he would have taken a couple of heads off. <laughs> he gets this giant fade, you know, and we played golf, and we probably we were kind of yeah, we were we were bad, but that's okay. And we got we almost died on the golf course to, thanks to Paul Crines. Either he or I, Karuba, could have got killed. Crines' ball hit a uh, the ladies' tee marker and shot back through right through the three of us. Oh wow. But, but in, in in later years, I mean, I wish that I had had the opportunity to just hang out with him more. He's a guy you just you just wanted to be around. We're talking about oh well, here you know, here's a Barry Asher story. Anyway, we're we did a thing in uh, in Vegas. We ended up and we're we're in the it's, I don't know, it might have been a, a storm thing and. We're having dinner, and there's a lot of guys there, and they all want to, you know, Don and I are like maybe the center of attention, a bunch of kids. And Don, he loved to tell this story about me. He goes, in 19, I don't know what it was, 74, I think, Milwaukee, five games in, and I'm I'm bowling okay, but I can I can't I can't get started. I mean, it's 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 like call the tournament director, get me out of here. And Don comes over, his next pair, he puts his arms around me. He goes, Bear, you got to go or you got to quit. I said, yep, I know. I know. I, I know. And I'm going to try to get through this game. And if it doesn't work, I'm done. You won't have to. You know, I was I was so self-conscious about it anyway. So I, I stand at the back of the approach. And I looked at the back of the approach where I wanted to start. And I looked at the foul line where I wanted to finish. So I had the ball in my hand. I don't know if my the hand was in the ball or I was just holding the ball. I got up on the approach and I never stopped walking. And, you know, if I shot 150, so be it. Good, done. So I never, I never stopped walking. I started with the first 11. I shot 299. 
<laughs> so we go to bowl of practice balls and Don comes over again. He goes, well, what, what are you going to do? And I said, well, what choice do I have? I have to, I have to do what I just did to the last game to, to get through this. And I said, what I've got to do is I've got to, guys have got to give me the space to let me go when I'm ready, but I won't be on the approach. So Don goes, okay, I get it. I'll run interference for you. <laughs> so here I, I got the best bowler in the world kind of directing traffic because my starting spot is off the approach. <laughs> and when I got on the approach, I'm gone. I'm, I'm going. Yeah. So I've got, I think I've got him on one side and maybe Tommy Hudson on the other. And I, I, it was, it didn't see it, it seemed kind of funny at the time, but it's the idea of Don directing traffic for me. That's great. That's the, yeah. that's the kind of guy he was. It wasn't like, well, let's get you out of here so I, we don't have to put up with you. It's like, but well, let me help you so you can, you know, so you can bowl and get through this. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you uh, straight out, that was one of the saddest times of my life uh, watching you struggle with that because you could just see the greatness uh, starting to disappear. And it didn't seem like it was going to get any better. And you did the right thing by getting out of the way. But another sad day was losing Don. He died way too early. And that's another thing, Pards, that I love about you. Uh, you relive in the past with all of us. People like to know about what happened back in the day. We're passing that along. We're never going to forget the old timers and all the greatness that we were really fortunate to be around in those times, but I can see the old clock on a wall. Uh, yep. We're done. Uh, I appreciate you being on with yeah. us, Pards, and give us a last word for this show. The last word, you can probably find it on YouTube or something like that. Don Johnson or uh, the 1977 New Orleans, Don Johnson's last title. I think he went up the ladder. I know one of the guys he beat was Earl. And it was a fitting way for that career to to end was for Don to win that tournament the way in the fashion that he did, and and to to go out in the style that he deserved to go out. He ended up having a second great career, and then he came back on the senior tour, and he won out there a couple of times, and he he regenerated. He gen, what's the word? Uh, he made the senior tour. A heck of a lot more popular by his presence out there. So he left uh, with a great name and a great legacy, and we're going to still miss him forever. But we want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling, Dave Kowalski, and Brad Edelman for their continued support. So, Barry, thank you again. And we're going to be back with some more stories. So, bowling fans, this is The Phantom. When you're down and troubled And you need some loving care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon